Greetings, I am your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to the second season of my Weirdest Experience podcast. This is the show of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. And it's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hi friends, thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218. Or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www.tinakinneyclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I have David Green here today. He is an inventor and he owns multiple businesses and he seems to be involved in a lot of different things like I am and he's got several stories that he could share with us but let's jump into it and welcome to the show David. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah and he's coming all the way from Israel. Right. I live about a half hour out of Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, and uh, my coming here is actually a story, if you want to hear that one. The, I, I was, uh, first of all, brought up in Canada. And I had very, very, like, almost no religious connection at all. Um, and um, all all I was really looking for was to be successful in the music industry. And I was... Uh, um, 16 years old, and I like I went out to California at 16 with a friend of mine, and we were you know selling our music, and uh, we became staff writers for a company called A and M Records at the time. I, I don't think they're around now, but um, th- then uh, by the time I was 18, we recorded an album with a incredible producer arranger in L.A. and uh, his name was Gene Page, and it was a very it was an R and B album. Uh, and, uh, what happened was he was nominated for a Grammy as he had won in the past. And he asked me if I would accept his award on his behalf. And I was like, wow, what a way to rub shoulders with all the major players there, you know, get in the door. I can just pretend like I'm already successful. And then people want to rub shoulders with me, you know, and I'll get to make all these connections and everything like that. So it was a great opportunity. So I rented a tuxedo. And I, uh, he, he um, had this limousine that picked me up and uh, I was very nervous about uh, accepting the award of having to stand in front of thousands of people and millions of people around the world. So this girl I met out there, she gave me two red pills 
And uh, I, uh, you know, she said, this will relax you. So I, uh, I said, okay. You know, back then people trusted others a little more than they do today. I would never do that now. But she, she gave me one red pill. And uh, I was definitely feeling much better going down the highway in the limo. And my feet felt like they were coming out, like, sort of like flying up in front of me. And I'm just cruising down the highway. And there was a problem, though, because the second pill, the, the red dye on the pill started leaking on my fingers. And I had nowhere to put it. So I thought you know, if I put it in my pocket for, for, with a white shirt, I'll look like I got shot, you know, like a red bleach, you know, like blob on my shirt. You know, I, I don't think that'll go well in Hollywood. So uh, I couldn't put it in my tuxedo pocket because who knows what's been in there. So I decided there was nowhere else to put it but other than my mouth. So I got, <laughs> I, I, I swallowed the second pill and I'm heading down the highway. Now my feet are like in the sky and, uh, <laughs> and the, 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 the anxiety though, didn't go away for that long. And I, as I got closer, I just started like praying, you know, God, please make him lose because I'm. I, I don't. It's not worth it. I'd rather <laughs> him lose. So, so you know, th th thank God he lost. And uh, I, but because I was nominated, I had the I had the the ticket as a nominee. I got to go to this very big party afterwards, which was for all the people who were like real high VIPs. Which is really what I went there to do is to meet these people. And uh, so I went into this big uh, hotel with all these ballrooms with different themes in it. And this one place was a, like television monitors playing the Grammys. And it was like mainly for like the people who's had their artists perform. They wanted to watch the recording over and over again to just see how they did. Um, and <clears throat> I came from sort of like a snobby jazz background where I didn't want to sacrifice my artistic integrity for the sake of being successful in pop. I wanted to, you know, like live up to the artistic standards, but still be successful in pop. And I saw my, one of my favorite artists of all time there. And he was like, what I was running after, you know, I was very disconnected from myself because I, all I wanted was that success. And I saw my idol there and he was sitting there smoking a joint with another uh, artist and he looked totally depressed and I took a big breath and I said whoa look at what I'm running after I'm running after being somebody who's depressed I better stop and turn around and look for happiness and then use my music as an expression of the happiness as opposed to running after the music as if it's going to be something that makes me happy. Cause here's a guy who was like, you can't get much more of what I was looking for. And he looked really, really, really sad. So that turned me around in my life. And I, 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 it was not such a calculation. It was more like a realization. It's like an internal awareness that, Whoa, I have to go back and be a kid again and go to college. And I went to Bloomington, Indiana, which is a school, it's a very good music school there. And uh, everyone there wanted to be like that artist in Hollywood. You know, all the musicians were running after this same thing. So, but I stayed there for uh, three and a half years until I finally decided, you know what? I got to find myself. And I felt the best place to do that was in Israel because my soul had some sort of connection to Israel. I don't know what it was, but my soul was connected there. 
And I went there and I found myself with all these guys that were in, in what's called the yeshiva, which is a place of study where um, we, we um, explored the, the authenticity of, of the Bible, of, of God, of, of all kinds of philosophical issues. And, and I felt so alive and so myself there that my music flourished. That's, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for myself. And that became the 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 basis for the following number of years of looking for myself, being myself, expressing myself. And I got into teaching others to find themselves. So like my first album that I put out once since I was in Israel is called Journey to the Real You. Um, and it's all it's all about themes of getting to know yourself, looking, you're learning to look in a way at the world that's different, that, that allows you to see reality without so much confusion and all those kinds of issues. And I wrote a book called A Book About You, which is uh, helping, helping people discover their inner selves. And so that, that has been the thrust of what, what I've been doing. I, I became a rabbi along the way. And uh, been involved in education and stuff, but and, and although I have I I have a great time with my businesses, my I think my heart uh, is most excited when I'm involved in helping other people know who they are, and that's why I ended up on this podcast <laughs> because uh, I want to share my new book with people, and uh, it's called Pictures of Your Soul, and um, and and just you know, be able to enjoy sharing ideas with others. So that's amazing that you found your idol, you realized that he wasn't happy or she, he. and it completely shifted you at that moment. Yeah, it was bizarre. I mean, was, you could it, you could have just said, you know, a number of things could have happened. I mean, you could have seen him and said, Oh, there's my idol, and kind of not tuned into his uh, emotional state. Right, but you, you know, did. You know, there's a there's an interesting idea, which is that within all of us, deep down inside, is an awareness of what is ultimately true and what who we really are and what our purpose is in this world. But the problem is that it's covered up by layers and layers of static. It's like it's static from social media, from our phones, from relationships, from social pressure, all these things that are static in our lives. And if you can turn down the static and listen really carefully, you can hear a voice inside of you that knows what's ultimately best for you. And I think that that shock of seeing him look so sad, just like was like a few minutes or not a few minutes, a few seconds of total removal of static because everything I was running after was all static. And that was removed at that point. So I heard that inner voice that you were describing of, of, of hearing my true self, as opposed to this superficial one that I was running after. Yeah, I had a similar experience. Probably the most famous person I've met was uh, Russell Crowe, the year that he won Best Actor. And uh, he has a band. I don't know if he still tours with them, but my friend and I saw the band and somehow we got invited backstage. And wow. we met the entire band and 
they're super nice, like super laid back Australian guys. There are a couple groupy women back there that made me uncomfortable. <laughs> but uh, then he, I met Russell Crowe, but same thing, just he seemed pissed off or in a bad mood. And even though, you know, he greeted me, it was like the whole demeanor was just unhappy. Right, right. And this, and he, he, this is the year he won that really? uh, Oscar. Yeah. You know what? I, I always, I always feel sorry for people who are that successful. Like you imagine, you know, Madonna sells 40 million records in one year. And then the next year she sells 35 million. You know, why are they not liking me as much as they did last year? 35 million is pretty good, you know? So why is she, isn't she happy with that? Because it's all becomes relative in this very, very distorted world of success. And uh, I, 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 like my mother is so happy that I did not become overly successful in the music industry, in the Hollywood world. Uh, she, she was smart. And one, one time while I was in the middle of this, like running after everything and feeling very disconnected from myself, she sat me down and said, you know what, David, I want you to uh, sit for a minute and I'm going to make you a cup of tea. And I said, well, what in the world? I got to go, I'll, I'll grab a pizza and run out the door. You know, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a fast food guy, you know, I don't have time for tea. So she made this tea, like a chamomile tea with hardly any flavor in it. And she sat it down, put it in front of me and said to me, David, I want you to taste the tea. And I said, taste the tea. You know, this tea hardly has any flavor, but you know what? She made me tune in to the subtlety of the tea, she into subtle flavor. And that meant that I had to stop everything I was running after and tune into the moment and experience what was in front of me. And I hadn't done that in such a long time, but she was teaching me a very, very wise lesson. Experientially, stop and experience what really matters. And I tell that story over to my students because it's very much in theme with the process of getting to know yourself. Because if you're running fast after something external, that becomes static. And we want to turn that down and hear what your real soul has to say. Right. And if you don't take the time and you're too busy, you're not going to hear that inner voice. You're not going to be able to discern what you really want because you're distracting yourself right. by all of this busyness. I'm always right. suspicious of people who are very, very busy. Yeah. You know, I like when you? they tell me, I just don't <laughs> have time like for anything. I just... I can't even get together for with a cup of coffee. I'm like, really? You really can't get together for a cup of coffee? And I, I immediately start thinking, what are they running from? Right. And then I think probably something that they don't want to feel. Very good. Very true. Yeah. People run. That's what people do. They run and run and run away from themselves. Um, and uh, they need to work through some pain somewhere that uh, it, it's it's underneath it all. It's an, it's an incredible thing to examine what makes us do the things we do in life. And, uh, you know, if there's a 
there's pain that that we have a hard time facing then we'll do anything to escape from it but the the thing is if we faced it and felt it we could move past it right but exactly. the more we run away from it and resist it the more it tries to follow us and we never get rid of it right right yeah yeah, it's interesting. The first two words that were said to the first Jew in the Torah in the Bible, to Abraham, were lech lecha, go to yourself. And that's composed of two words, go, which means remove yourself from the environment and from the noise that's that's blocking you from hearing who you really are. And lecha, to yourself, is the proactive part of digging inside and seeing who you are. Those are the first two words. Like if the first two words are very significant. There wasn't like, and Abraham started to travel and da, 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 da. No, the first two words mean there's something very important in those two words, which means that a person we need to do is get away from all that stuff we're doing and listen to that inner voice and try to live that voice as opposed to the voice of all these things that are making us run after all these various things. I don't have a problem with people who do a lot with their lives. I, I, I myself do a lot with my life, but, but I try to take the time out to make sure that I'm not just doing it because um, I'm running away from something. I've taken the time to go through therapy, through uh, an introspective process, uh, I have a very healthy marriage where we communicate a lot. Uh, so I get to reflect on, you know, through my wife on a lot of things that I wouldn't look at unless she were there to help me uh, focus inwards um, and focus outwards in, in a positive way. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your book. Well, I have two books. Um, one is about uh, who are you? And the other one is more, what are you? In that the first one is dealing with uh, primary personalities that are in the creation of the world, that uh, God created the world with attributes. And uh, the, it starts off where he created the world through white light. And when you shine white light through filters, you get to see all the various component, components of that those attributes, much like if you shine a white light through a prism, you see all these colors come out of the other side. Well, those colors were already embedded in the light before, but you just couldn't see them. So similarly, when God created a world, he shined this, his endless light in the world, and then it split off into all these attributes. And there are three primary ones. Those three primary ones are called chesed, gevura, and tiferet. There's like loving kindness, uh, strength, and discipline. And tiferet is more of an intellectual balance of the other ones. And every person is rooted in one of those more than the other. So in my book, each chapter goes through uh, um, how you identify what is your root personality and what strengths you have and what weaknesses you have. And what it does is it allows people to uh, grab onto their strengths and build their life around their strengths and also know what weaknesses are. they come with as part of the package with those strengths so that they become much more accepting of themselves. They says, of course, I'm the kind of person who comes late if I'm the type of person who loves people so much because if I love people so much, it's hard to not stop and give them hugs and, and schmooze with them along the way while somebody else is waiting in the coffee shop. But I and I, how could I leave this person that I love so much, right? They, they come in, hand in hand. 
And a person is supposed to work on those things. If they know that they have those kind of weaknesses, they know to work on them. It's not just like someone else telling them they have that problem. It's something that they should work on, but not in a negative way, but in a very positive way. So that book really works a lot on giving people the ability to make choices and move forward in life with, uh, you know, the second book, which I j just came out now, it's called Pictures of Your Soul. Now, pictures is a physical thing and soul is a spiritual thing. So like, how do you have pictures of the soul? So there's a classic Hasidic work called Tanya that describes the anatomy of the soul, the layers of the soul, levels of the soul, where the soul, different aspects of the soul reside within the body, right? Um, and by understanding the soul and how it works and connects to our physical body, but the more you study it, the more you actually start to feel your soul. So when you read this book, you start like it starts like walking through a forest and like just becoming in touch with yourself. But then it goes layers and layers and layers deeper into that consciousness of of your soul and what that is. And you can actually start elevating yourself to a higher level through reading through the book. And there's an amazing photographer who lives right next to the Western Wall in, in, in Jerusalem. And he spends a couple of hours a day uh, photographing people who are deep in prayer. And you can actually see in their eyes, they're like glowing with this uh, high, um, uh, um, incredible sense of spirituality, inspiration. So I have the book, the book is full of these pictures that take up full pages with the text overlapping them. And so you, you feel you can see the soul also not only in the pictures that I, in the illustrations, but also in the pictures of these people who are immersed in prayer. And that's, that, that those are the two books. And as a musician, what I did was uh, I recorded two albums. One goes with the first book and one goes with the second books. And I quote the lyrics throughout the books and with little QR codes so that you can scan the code and the music will start to play that uh, of the very l lyrics that are written in the book. So um, it's really two books, but two albums that go with that. So the first book, I think I caught Loving Kindness. And the other one was A, <clears throat> a Thinker. Uh, Gvura is the second one. Before The Thinker is the Gvura, which is Gibor. It's a, it means a str strength, but it also means judgment. It means the, the ability to decide what is right and wrong and know what like it, it, it's it's like the sun and the moon the sun projects an endless amount of light right that's like chesed that's the kindness side that is constantly giving but someone who is constantly giving has a big problem that they become depleted of all their energy and they don't know when to say no right just like you know, somebody who's like that in relationships they they'll tend to be in an abusive relationship because they're constantly giving they don't know when to say that this isn't healthy anymore i shouldn't i should get out of here right so uh if they add some gvura which is a second personality then they have the ability to ascertain whether this is good for me or bad for me they 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 know how to restriction that's like the moon the moon doesn't give its own light but it, it it its light is all generated from the sun shining on it right so that is it looks like a source of light but it's really made from be, becoming something that resists if there was no moon then you wouldn't see this the effect of the sun 
but the moon there is is there for creating a boundary which enables us to see the sun in the night because the moon is reflecting that so there's personalities that are very good in their ability to um take care of things and and be responsible for things and and like they're the first ones to to get up in the morning and go to the gym and go go to work and set open the door they're the ones with all the keys on their on their belt loop you know and they turn on the coffee machine in the morning you know they're all they're very much doers right and they're they're very, usually in very good shape and and um and and are exercising that sense of discipline and that the third one are the thinkers or they're more removed from the whole process and evaluating what is the right thing to do, what is the wrong thing to do, uh, what, how can I plan ahead to do something in this way or that way? And it's that me, the word tiferet means harmony, which is really taking the chesed and gavura and stepping back, and that's done more in the mind. I wonder what I am, but I probably think that I'm more of a thinker, the third yeah. one. Yeah. By the by the name of your podcast, I would say so. Because you like <laughs> you you like to be amused by things, you know, like what's really going on behind this? Who's this crazy guy talking to you right now in, the, in this <laughs> podcast? Like what is his deal, you know? Like, you know, analyze him a little bit, you know? That's that's very much a T ferret type of personality. Um, I don't really analyze my guests, but I enjoy meeting people. <clears throat> and I enjoy talking with them and I always learn something. So I figure if I record this, somebody might learn something too, or they might have an aha moment and that would be the best right. outcome of listening. Right. Right. Definitely. But you're very interested in con conceptually like uh, ga gathering in those sparks of, 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 uh, of personalities and awareness and yeah yeah and also that makes sense because i don't know if you follow numerology but my life path number is a one and ones are thinkers and uh -huh. we're we're um <clears throat> we got that bad judgmental voice in our head all the time all right usually well, that's I, the, it's always going to be the negative side of the positive so you have to know that comes right. with it Yep. And, and all you have to do is work on it. Learn to learn to see the brighter side of people and uh, and don't let the negative side pull you down. Yeah, it's mostly self-reflected. It's more about judging self, not really others. Right. Definitely. So I know that about myself. So, you know. Yeah. I yeah. meet people like me that are really hard on themselves. And I'm like, yes, I know what that's like. So... You have to work on being more gentle and loving toward yourself because you have that well, tendency to be harsh. So I'll, I'll tell you, there's a, um, there's a interesting section in the Talmud that says like, what is the most important principle? If you can teach the Torah on one leg, what will you say? So Rabbi Akiva says that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So, mm -hmm. First of all, how is it possible to love anyone as much as yourself, right? So there's an important lesson in the words that are used. You should love your neighbor. How do you love your neighbor? By loving yourself. If you learn to love yourself, then you're not threatened by other people. You can deal with 
you know, jealousy is not an issue because you love yourself. And if you love your neighbor, right? If you 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 want you want to trust the love from your neighbor, then if you understand that you have value, then you'll trust that they have a reason to love you. I was once uh, teaching this couple, and uh, they seem like the 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 ultimate couple. They're both both very good looking and very charming and very outgoing and and uh, but they kept asking me about loyalty. The the girl was petrified. Uh, that her husband would leave her, and she was a she. she the, the husband loved her very much, but she had this inner sense of insecurity that was so fearful of not being loved that she actually destroyed the relationship because she the the lowest common denominator ends up winning. The lowest common denominator is that I'm not deserving of being loved. And therefore, she wasn't trusting the love that she was getting, and the marriage fell apart. Um, and uh, she, <laughs> that woman, actually showed up in a classroom of mine in Jerusalem many years later, um, and uh, it was sad. It was really, really sad. So the more we learn to love ourselves, the more we trust the love of someone else for us. Because I've got a good reason to be loved. My wife loves me because I'm a great guy. You know, that's a very different approach. So love your neighbor as yourself, which is a very famous statement. A lot of people don't know what that means. It means they think that means, oh, I have to love them as much as I love myself. That's a tough thing to do because we're always more responsible for ourselves than anyone. But but if you actually you love yourself, that's going to be the basis for loving other people. And therefore, bashing yourself and the various things that we tend to do to ourselves, the negative voices, we have to learn to to see that their, their self-esteem is something which is based on an absolute, not based on a relative idea of who you are. For example, we believe that there is a soul, that a divine soul, which is what my second book talks a lot about. That's, there's a divine soul within us, which is so precious. It's a beautiful pearl that, that shines inside. And no matter what you do wrong, that soul is always there. And if you're aware of that soul, then your value has gone way, way up, right? Even though my actions may not live up to it, my soul is this precious thing. And therefore, if uh, I'm not feeling good about myself. I can look and see, well, what is my essence? My essence is this pearl, that beautiful pearl that no one can touch, right? And because of that, it, voices of of self, self-destructive voices are are not real. That's based on superficiality. Um, I uh, One of the classes I, I taught was called, I'm Such a Jerk, The Art of Self-Destruction. And it's all about how we take voices from our past and allow them to echo through our lives. You know, I see, I'm such a jerk. I always make that mistake. I, I don't know why I just don't learn my lesson. You know, those voices, we have to learn how to shut out because we have a law in the, in, in the Torah that you're not allowed to speak negatively about other people. Why? Because they're also created in the image of God. They're They're very holy people. Everybody's holy. Right. So if you knock down someone else, you're knocking down God's piece of art. Right. That's a beautiful thing. How how could you knock down God's piece of art? So why why should you be allowed to knock yourself down? 
you're also a piece of art of God. So speaking negatively about yourself is forbidden. And yet people think, well, if it's me, I'm not hurting anybody. What do you mean you're not hurting anybody? You're hurting yourself. That's 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 you're a very precious soul that shouldn't be hurt as well. And uh, that gives uh, also uh, it's, it's that that gives you the ability to stop those voices of self-destruction uh, that, that I'm such a jerk voice from from reappearing in your life. I'm just going to turn something off here that's making some noise. So what are some of the ways that we can turn those voices off? Well, if education <clears throat> is a very important part of it. Um if you uh, not not just to plug my books, but both of those books do help with that a lot, because the first book gives you uh, an understanding of why those voices are there. I'm not, you know, a person should look at their past and see, well, you know, the way my father talked to me, you know, of course, I'm going to hear voices that are negative. Right. So if you can pinpoint where they come from, it helps to say, well. I was a victim of verbal abuse. And sometimes verbal abuse isn't so no, no, noticeable when you're growing up, right? It's not like your parents are screaming at you. You don't need them to scream at you for you to gather a negative impression of yourself. But just, you know, parents mean so much to us and are so influential that if there's a subtle form of, of, uh knocking you down that that is going on throughout your childhood it actually accumulates perhaps even more than if they were to scream at you when they scream at you you feel well they're off they're off because they're angry and they're out of control that's their problem but if they give you little hints of jabs of negativity all the way through then it's hard to say that it's them maybe it is you so we have to see more clearly the the how pain and uh, negative impression has been implanted within us, and once you see that, it's much easier than to say, "Okay, I have to let go of it because it's not real. It's just my being the negative nurturing of you know negative thoughts." But also, then you know where to go from there. You know, so if you take those three personalities and discover who you are and and know what negativity is likely to come with and it's not your problem you didn't make up this this is part of the package uh that's a very important process in helping you with uh negative thoughts and self-esteem but the other book about uh, about the soul then the more soul awareness you have then the more you're focusing on the beauty within so that's the positive approach of recognizing what you really are which is you know a, a beautiful soul and and you know if you were stuck on a planet or on an island with uh only one other person right and it's somebody you never talked to before so then over time you would actually learn to love that person because they're the only one else there to know and that's because the more you get to know somebody, you start to appreciate that even their negative qualities are are there for a reason. We just don't have the patience to to weed out what what is real and what isn't real. And you know, when we meet people on a superficial level, but if if you were stuck on that island with somebody, you would 
you'd actually start to really appreciate even the negative qualities come from a real place. And there's a reason for that. And, you know, they should try the best to get rid of it, but you can still love them. Right. So, so the more you learn about yourself, the more you actually can learn to love yourself as well, knowing why the things you do are, are have a good, a real basis for them. And also, I think if you love yourself, <clears throat> you are not affected by other people's opinions as much, you know, because there's always going to be someone that's going to come along and say, you know, you know, criticize you or not believe in what you're doing or, you know, and you don't get knocked down as easily if you right. really value yourself and what you're, what you're doing and what your talents are. And exactly. Yeah. It's like, a, in a, like I was saying in a relationship, the same thing that before, <clears throat> like, you know, if you have a negative self-image, then it's going to hurt the relationship. <laughs> so that's also not just in a relationship with a, with a spouse or, 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 or someone else, uh, any, any uh, friend or, or seemingly enemy, uh, you're much, much more bothered by if you're low, you have low self-esteem. And that's why it's so important to independently work on that so that you have the strength to be able to go through life and not be swayed by by other people's impression of you. Because that's part of knowing who you are and being who you are. The more you love yourself, the more you can be yourself because you're not doing anything to prove to other people that you're this way or that way. Yeah. So if we say you have a conflict with somebody is it better to face the conflict, to face that person? Or when do you know when it's better to walk away from it? That's a very deep question. It's actually a uh, big study in Jewish law as to when you are supposed to give rebuke um, for somebody having done, done something wrong to you. Or even if somebody has is doing something D destructive and you want to tell them that they're doing something destructive and it's not to you but they're you, still you should help somebody uh from going in a in a bad direction um on the other hand it could be that if you give rebuke that it'll insult them so much that they're going to just get even more angry and not be willing to accept it so it takes a um a, a sharp eye to be able to detect within that person whether they're willing to accept the rebuke. If somebody is not willing to accept rebuke, if you think they'll not, they won't take it, then you should not pursue it because uh, you're just going to create more friction. Um, but if you see that a person has stability, right? If they do love themselves um, and not superficially, not just they walk around with a big ego, but rather because they do have a sense of balance. They're grounded. Uh, so that's the type of person you can give rebuke to and say, you know what? Uh, I really respect you. Um, I, I know you, you have a lot of qualities. I really appreciate our relationship. But I just want you to know that when you said such and such and such, it really hurt. Um, and, um, you know, I, I want to I don't want to carry this around with me uh, and interfere in our relationship. Um, and um I just wanted to talk it out with you and hopefully they'll come to apologize to, for that. But you again have to be very careful 
uh, to make sure that when you say it, it's the person has the ability to apologize because a lot of people don't have that ability because they don't love themselves enough to apologize. It feels like when I apologize, I'm taking away from myself. But on the release act, it's the opposite of that. That when a person is willing to apologize, it means they love themselves. That they don't feel that they're they're removing something from themselves by apologizing, but rather they're sharing something very very positive. I think that's a good point because I've I've struggled with like deciding whether I should confront a person or just walk away. And I think that's a good point on whether you think they will be open to what you have to say, because I've had conflict with people and it simply ramped up the energy of it, almost like they became a pit bull and they just went after me. And I, I kept saying, you know, I'm done with this conversation. I really don't want to talk about this right now because I need a I need a timeout because I'm getting emotional or upset. And this person just kept at me. And the problem with that is it ruined the friendship, you know, right. because she just wouldn't back off. She wouldn't give me space right. to think or calm down or process. Well, there's a, there's another uh another very important lesson that I learned. Um, I had been in a major conflict with somebody, um, an employee, employer who, um, that, that totally misunderstood something that happened. And I was deeply hurt by it. And I, uh, was, went into somewhat of a depression and I saw a psychiatrist about, about it about the depression. And uh, I told him what had happened because that was obviously affecting the depression as well. And then like a few months later, I saw him again and I told him I'm, something about my s- suffering from the same thing. And he says, are you living in the past? And he was pointing out that I was carrying around with me all this baggage about what someone had done to me when the true thing to have done is to let it all go. And I wrote a song then called Let It All Go that uh, maybe you can play some of it later. I can send you the MP3. You can play for your listeners. But it's all about, is a song that I wrote to myself. Like, I want to see you smiling, right? See the little life that's on the way. And the course is let it all go, Right. The, and and is there's no living there's no living in the past right if you're living in the past and carrying around that there's no future living in the past right that that's the song is all about like taking that friction that you have with that person and recognizing if it's not going to be resolved then not only did they hurt you before but they they're hurting you now and you're taking that pain into the future and that's your choice whether you want to take it into the future if you need them to remove that pain from your life then you are becoming a slave to what happened but if you want freedom then you have to be able to take say you know what they've got their problem they don't have the ability to say sorry they don't have the ability to ex- accept the 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 reality of 
of what took place, but I'm not going to be their psychiatrist and try to, to get them out of that headspace. It's too complicated. It's enough to have to deal with my own problems, never mind try to solve theirs. Um, and therefore, I have to move forward in life. And um, the, if you're living in the past and dwelling on it, you're, you're, you're the one creating more and more pain in your life because you're not willing to let it all go. And uh, I, I listen to that song sometimes and it brings tears to my eyes because it's like that was such a big part of my life. And I thank God I finally let it go. And and I I saw that person and I had he was actually very friendly and warm to me. And and I like I realized, you know, you know, this is in my mind and like I don't yeah. have to I don't have to carry that around with me. That's such a pain, you know. Yeah, it's so true. It's crazy that our version of the events could be very different than the other person's too. Because I, and I think this is why it's important to reach out to people if you're still connected. Um, because I remember, and when I was in middle school, I got into this big conflict with my friends. And I, I ended up losing my big circle of friends and only keeping one, only one friend stayed with me. And I've had been in touch with some of these friends later on, you know, and I actually reached out to one and I said, do you remember when this happened? And, and she did, she remembered different things than I did. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. I, I mean, I was deeply hurt by it, but at the time she had been depressed so she wasn't she wasn't really cognizant of anybody else's feelings, I think. Right. And she right. she had a different take on it. And I was like, wow. You know, it's just so interesting right. um, how that happens. And then sometimes I had another childhood friend apologize to me because apparently she just dropped our friendship and I didn't realize it. <laughs> and she said, yeah. I, I think I owe you an apology. And I was like, for what? Right. She's like, well, I, well, we were in the same school and then she left the school because she didn't like it. But at that time she stopped talking to me. But to me, I thought it was because we went to different schools now. Right. I didn't think it was a deliberate thing from her, but right. it was deliberate. <laughs> and she told and she apologized for it and I said you know what I didn't even I didn't even realize that happened right that's amazing now two people could have a a relationship that are coming from such different places and and our emotional memory just hangs on to the piece that we thought you know our 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 part of the deal but uh it's a, if we if we try to <clears throat> you know, have the courage to reach out to these people and see where they're really at. Often it's so different than our original intention. Another thing that happened to me once in my life, I'll tell you, is a bizarre thing that also changed my perspective on on other people and on myself. When I was in college, so I was uh, at a party and uh, in music school, we used to like the parties were like people lied on the floor and put on Beatles white album and blasted it and got rather intoxicated. And that was our parties. And so um, I remember I got up and a friend of mine and we, we got out and started walking on campus and suddenly a, a song came to my head and it goes like this. I got a purple stain all over my brain. 
purple stain and just over and over again, I got a purple stain. And I had no idea what I was saying, why those words came to my mind. But uh, years later, when I was uh, living in Toronto for a while, I um, I had a seizure. I at like at six o'clock in the morning or something, I had a seizure and I the fire department came and I just remember a few flashes other than uh, waking up in the hospital and they did a number of tests on me and they told me that I had a brain tumor and I that changed my life because like talking about doing a lot of things and people who have hurt you and um, other different challenges that you may be facing in your life when you think that you may only have like a month or two left to live, then all those petty things become erased from your emotional makeup. You know, like who cares about how this person may have hurt you or not hurt you if you only have a couple of months to live, right? So I walked around in this state of looking at the world from from the point of view of, wow, wow, what really matters? And my relationship to myself, my relationship to God, my relationship to my family and close friends. Uh, I, I wasn't out to save the world anymore. I was out to just experience whatever I could within the short time I had to live. And then finally, I, after numerous MRIs, they uh, told me that the tumor was b benign. But what happened was at one of the times they tested me, they put a a needle in my arm and they injected a purple dye into my arm through the vein and it goes up into my brain. So there was a purple stain all over my brain, purple stain. <laughs> and if you uh, go on my website, there's a little button that says purple stain at the very bottom. And you'll see numerous students that I've had over the years where we sing that song together and everyone sort of dances and grooves to it. And it's like, you know, it, it became like, a you know, the song that everyone sings when they see me, Hey, there's purple stain, David green, purple stain. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so Yeah. I find that. Do you feel like that song came into your head as a message from the divine? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, uh, that's a hard question. I, I know that when I was at the Grammys and I had that vision, it was a message from the divine. It was definitely, uh, that's why I was enhanced by so much more depth than what I could have grasped within those few seconds. But uh, yeah, who knows, you know, what, where that came from. I believe everything that we go, that pops in our minds, especially as an artist is from the divine, but, but it's, it's, as I, I would say, it's, um, a weird experience as wait, what's your title yeah. of your possible my weird weirdest experience. experience okay that's one of my weirdest experiences there you go right yeah because I feel like I do have a spirit team that helps me of angels and and spirit guides and they send me a lot of songs I mean it's oh, really? quite yeah I'm not a musician but I love music and so sometimes I get a song in my head and I have not heard this song on the radio. I haven't heard it in a while. And I'll always pay attention to the lyrics because I feel like it's a message from my, you know, my guides to pay attention 
to this song. We have a message for you in it. And I don't always figure it out. I don't, I don't always know, but I, at well, least I'm aware of it and I make a note of it. Well, what I would do, if there's a melody that comes with it, especially, uh, you take out your phone and you put on that record app and you you sing it into the phone so you have it recorded. And then you don't have to worry about remembering it. And then your mind is free to analyze it rather than remember it. Um, so yeah. I do that all the time. I have on my phone, I have I have like, you know, tons of songs that I wrote in the car on the way somewhere. Because often the creativity flows when you're not trying to make it flow. When I sit down to write a song, that's the hardest yeah. time to write because I'm forcing it out. But when I, when it's inspired just from from God bringing that melody into my life, it's a, a it, that can be while I'm driving down the highway. Usually it's a popular song. So recently it was Nikita by Elton John. And I've been so busy lately. I haven't been really looking into the lyrics of the song. But one time I had a song in my head and in my dream, actually. So I was dreaming and the volume of the song was so high. Like the song was blasting. And oh, so it's... you're talking about songs that other people wrote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant songs that you, you that came to you that you were writing by making no. a gift. I see. Uh -huh. no, That's why these I was are talking about other... recording them. Yeah, these are other people's songs. And so uh -huh. this particular song was Three Little Birds um, by Bob Marley. And the over and over again, he says, don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to be all right. And right. I was in the dream sleeping and I woke up and I knew that was the message. Right. And I said, I'm not worrying that much. <laughs> you know, I was like, I get it. I get you're saying, don't worry. I was like, I don't think I'm worrying that much. Right. You know, but now that's kind of my song, like my spiritual song. Right. Yeah. Well, you got to listen to my Let It All Go. Maybe that will be one of yours also. Because it relates a lot to the things we were talking about. Yeah, if you send it to me and I have your permission, I can use a clip at the end of the episode and everybody can hear it. Right. So okay. that would be great. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a uh, a uh, Dropbox link to all my songs, and you'll be able to. Yeah, but let it all go is the one that I think you should really meditate on a little bit. All right. Uh, well, David, it's been really fun talking to you. I think. It's really important to talk about this stuff. You know, I think we just were not taught how to love ourselves. We were not taught how to communicate, when to confront, when to walk away. I think that's really important for us to learn no matter what age, you know. And so yeah. can I share with the audience where they can contact you and find your books. Okay, the best place to go is realuproject.com my whole my whole project is called real you project so the website is realuproject.com and if you want to listen to my music i have two albums on all the all the streaming channels spotify apple music amazon all these uh, companies but you have to say david h green if you type in david green the history of my life is that there's too many davids and there's yeah. too many greens so 
David H. Green will give you my two albums and uh and uh, they're they're both very different type of styles on them. The first one's much more a lot of electronic music involved, and the second one's more acoustic. But uh, the, there's a lot of soul in both of them, and a lot of the ideas we talked about on this podcast are in that in the in those songs. So please enjoy them. Um, they're on my website too, if you want to just you know get a taste of them. But uh, it's better just to go to these streaming sites to listen. Great. Thank you so much, David. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.